0: Welcome to The Back Porch, everybody. It's good to have you here with us again. Uh, today, I have a guest, Heidi Gaiman, who is the author of the book, Emotions and the Gospel. And I read this book just recently and reached out to Heidi because I was just fascinated by the topic and it fits so much with what we like to talk about. So, and she was very kind to say hello uh, and say, yes, she would talk to me about it. But let me briefly tell you who she is. I know you're, if you're watching on YouTube, you're seeing her right now, but. Heidi Gaiman is a licensed clinical social worker and a mental health care provider, a theologian, a writer, and an advocate. She received her bachelor's degree in theology and psychology from Concordia University, Chicago, and her master's degree in social work from the University of Toledo, with an emphasis on children, families, and social justice. The author of several books, her newest book is Emotions in the Gospel, which again is the topic that we're talking about today, and her website is HeidiGayman.com. That's H-E-I-D-I-G-O-E-H-M-A-N-N.com. And of course, we'll link to that in the show notes. But that website provides resources and advocacy for mental health, genuine relationships, and as she says, hope for each day. Uh, Heidi lives in Michigan with her husband, four kids, and 1.5 dogs on the shores of Lake Michigan. So Heidi, thank you so much for being here. It's, it's good to have you.
1: Thanks for having me. It sounds like we have a lot to talk about today.
0: Yeah. And I, and I really should have checked before I recorded that whole intro. I am saying your last name correctly. Yes,
1: you are. Congratulations. Okay. Well done. <laughs>
0: <Good>. <laughs>
1: I'll answer to many things, many, many things.
0: <laughs> Good. So First of all, before anything else, I just have to know what 1.5 dogs means. Um, that, that was hysterical on the back of your book. So what what? how do you have 1.5 dogs?
1: Good, I'm so glad it landed well. Yes, um, I have one gigantic seventy five ish pound labradoodle named Captain Wentworth, who's a ball of fluff and turns into Chewbacca every few months. um, he's just like love incarnate, and then we also have a small like twenty pound or less Yorkie poodle, and so she, Ann Elliot, is her name, and she is what we like to say um. Jealousy incarnate, but it's really love underneath. There is really sure. her game, so yeah, they each have their own personalities.
0: Got it, that's that's lovely. Oh, we, I have two small dogs, so I guess I have one full dog and two <laughs> half dogs. And yes, they are one is old and cranky, and the other one is puppy and lovely. And they are mm-hmm. sounds very similar dynamic. One is we, our oldest one, his name is Trip, and he. He's a, we don't even know what he is, but he's like a terrier um, something mix. So he's very fluffy poodle, something probably, but he is just, he's just mean, but it's never like actual meanness. It's like, he's just cranky because he loves everyone, you know? And Mm -hmm. he's like, everyone just needs to love me back. And if you don't, so, (laughs) I love uh, it. Yeah. So, well, that's, (laughs) I was so curious. I was like, how do you have a half a dog?
1: I, it's you know it's meant to spur some conversation. You can't go wrong with talking about your dogs.
0: Totally. So, I what what got you into this? Why write a book? I, I'm fascinated. The title is actually what made me grab the book. Um, I, I, perfectly honestly, I actually was just perusing Concordia Publishing House's website, saying, "Are there any books on this that I'd like to read?" And then possibly interview somebody on. And I, I think yours was like the third one down on the list. And I was like, well, that's obvious. So, <laughs> so I grabbed it right away. Um, because for us, just both of those terms are so central to a lot of what we do in our ministry. Um, so it just immediately grabbed me. But I guess tell me a little bit first about yourself mm-hmm. and, and why write a book on emotions and the gospel.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, part of this stemmed from, and as it were, like my research started long ago in just sorting who God is and um, knowing that God loved me, that he sent Jesus to die for me. But what does that mean then, especially in my interest in psychology and sociology, the way relationships work and the way our inner beings work? Um, So from a young age, just really researching how those things interact. And I was Mm. thankful to be part of a system at Concordia Chicago that really welcomed like talking and and sorting that out. Um, And then through our own ministry, especially in working with young adults, with people who really wanted to have conversations about who they were and how relationships worked and how life itself worked. But then how God reached his hand into that and was part of it. Um, You know, I just kept doing a lot of work on really abstract concepts of faith and trying to make them uh, a little more concrete, right, while allowing some mystery, um, bringing it to a place where God made a little more sense to us um, in who we are in our relationships. And so all of my work, you'll see it across um, uh, my different books and my different Bible studies, that there's this theme of brokenness and restoration and allowing both to be present at the mm-hmm. same time. And I would say in my in in my world, in Heidi's mind, that is the the fullness of the gospel is that God doesn't take us out of brokenness, but he brings restoration into it in his redemptive work, and then, every day in different ways and then that long term we're looking forward to that new creation that he's going to bring into our lives and that all sounds so big so Mm -hmm. then i want to bring it down into layers that make sense for us so then uh right before the pandemic actually I had signed a contract and planned to write a book called Finding Hope from Brokenness to Restoration to really go forward into those themes in these relationship concentric circles. So my book Finding Hope goes through different areas of relationship and how brokenness and restoration really shows itself in those different spaces in our families, in trauma, in topics like vulnerability, in resilience, in community relationships. Um, And one chapter on emotions. Um, And so as I got into it, I realized that was a topic that people really, really wanted to be talking about, especially within the church and in faith context and spirituality, because it was a little bit of a left out topic. I think accidentally as well as because of like theological landmines that we can hit with it. And so I like to ask myself, like, do I want to get into this? Do I want to have discussions about this with people? Or is that left for the therapy room is the way I think about it, Mm -hmm. because I think some things are meant to be sorted out in one-on-one relationships. So it took me a little while after Finding Hope came out to decide that I was willing, honestly, to risk the vulnerability of talking about emotions. And I knew it would bring up mine because that's how writing works. You get to deal with the stuff that you're talking about. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, so I wanted to have just a a more thorough, while emotions is a huge topic, you could talk about it forever, and the book would be 800 pages, um, as thorough as we could approach to the concept of emotions meeting and where God meets our emotions in the book. And so emotions in the gospel made more sense um, for people to right off the bat, understand what we're going for here. Where is our emotions or where is the gospel in our emotions?
0: Yeah, I, I have to say, I, I read the title to just a friend of mine and she immediately was like, oh, I need to read that book because I, <laughs> I need to have gospel over my emotions. Um, <laughs> and so, okay, so... I think the question I sent you was, let's start off easy, right? Here's the easy question, which I know is not the easy question <laughs> at all. What What do you mean by emotions? What the heck are these <laughs> things that we're talking about? And and I guess, no, it, why is it so important to talk about?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It is a felt experience inside of our body. And so a lot of times we'll layer words kind of on top of each other and have similarities. So when we talk about emotions, often we're also talking about moods. We're talking about affections or affectations. And then feelings is another word mm. that we use a lot. Um, and so I often think of those words kind of almost building on each other. Moods are basically like a longer term experience of emotions, something that goes on for some time, um, even for like, uh, you know, I'm in a mood for a couple hours, like grouchy when I wake up. Um, And then later that mood lifts. Sometimes like winter in upper Michigan, I'm like, oh, like I have a mood for a while. Uh, That doesn't mean that I'm not having other emotions at the same time, but the mood can kind of stick around, if you will. Then the emotion within that is a, a specific felt experience inside of our body that gives us information about uh, what we're processing in life, essentially. And so there is this sensory system involved, which is why we say um, feelings, right? We feel them. We uh, often feel emotion actually when it's like at the boiling point, we feel emotion at the the end of the emotion. And we are really well served when we can start to recognize some of our emotions more at the beginning stages of them. And when we start to feel them lower level in our system, um, because, for instance, anger, when it when it boils over and it hasn't been processed, it can just bounce out at people, sometimes explode at people, if you will, Um, These are natural responses, anxiety and things, even excitement and things that we normally experience as quite pleasant uh, can just have a life of their own when we only recognize them at that end point. Mm -hmm. Um, So emotions are kind of more a fuller concept than feelings where we're considering what we're experiencing consciously, but then also subconsciously and unconsciously, those underlying feelings that we have Um, often we're experiencing three to six emotions research shows us at any one time and so you can kind of get an idea from that how often we're a little unaware of what's going on in our system and honestly that's a gift of god like i don't need to be aware of everything thank goodness because that would be a little overwhelming at the same time when we can become just a little more aware it's a very good information to meet our cognition or our thinking and our reason to inform us of how to move forward in life.
0: So, and I think that was something that like you kind of used the words emotion and feeling interchangeably, but if I, am I hearing you right that the, the, the distinction being made is something like I may not feel my emotions, even if I'm having them, mm-hmm. but I could like, they are a feeling I'm having in my body. I just may not I'll be always be aware of it, but they are still there, and they are something that I am. Some part of me is feeling, if not consciously aware of. am I kind of, am I hearing that correctly?
1: Yeah, absolutely. We okay. do often, and I think you you do have to link to that concept of the subconscious and the unconscious and all those under layers of who we are as people. And the way that God has designed our systems, because um, when we talk about emotions, because often we do confuse it with this idea of feelings, which is just what I know I'm experiencing, I can use words for. And if we're only ever living in that space, then we only get that end point of emotion, which can be either quite destructive at times or it could just be so surprising that it's hard for us to understand ourselves and to feel congruent then in our values and the ways that we want to live our life.
0: Yeah, that makes sense, and I think that's well, yeah, whatever whatever it means that something is subconscious. It, at least it makes sense to me that, in my own experience, that there are times when I suddenly become aware that I've been feeling something for quite a while. And it's not like I didn't know it, but I didn't. <laughs> you know, I just, all of a sudden I'm like, oh oh man, I'm really ticked <laughs> or whatever. Yes. And I that Absolutely. makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess maybe do a little more, if I can, um, yeah. a little more concreteness to the the gospel for those emotions. And maybe the way to get to that mm-hmm. is, um, sort of jumping ahead in some of what I sent you, but like, I really resonate with people who say things like life would be easier without emotions. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I wish I didn't have to feel this and things like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that's the only place that you're talking about the gospel connecting with mm-hmm. emotion, but maybe that's a good place to start.
1: There is a reason we are not Vulcan, right? Like it's one phrase I use in the book, and I am a little bit of a, a Star Trekky. I'm also a Star Warsy, so <laughs> So I like to use a lot of those examples. And that idea that our emotions can have this um, better place in our life when we can dim the light, right? Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like it makes sense that it would feel better sometimes because emotions are feeling so often that we feel overwhelmed by them or hijacked even, especially when we are Often in some kind of identity struggle, trying to sort ourselves out or make decisions and that congruence of like how what we want our life to look like and what it does, then we want to just turn it down a little bit so that we can have that quiet, a little more stillness. Sometimes the emotions feel so loud and big. Um, And especially in things like heartbreak or the pain of life and the brokenness of life, the emotions, uh, they're just too strong sometimes, right? There's a reason in therapy, we do teach distraction sometimes or paying attention to something else. Uh, but then there's also that time for mindfulness. And so what I would say is there's a huge difference between sometimes like dialing that down a little bit so that we can also hear the reason part of our brains and we can also hear other people and have a sense of God's discernment and stuff, then shoving things down, or trying to encapsulate them into our bodies in such a way that we we don't just want to deal with it. We're trying to avoid it. Um, And so I think sometimes when people are like, yes, life would be better without emotions, that like extreme end of it is actually what they mean is, I'd really rather if I didn't have to deal with shoving my emotions down, because even that takes emotional energy, and life would just be better if I only could just think through something and make decision. And and I respect that, but could you imagine what life would be like without emotions, without the sense of joy and laughter that God gives us in connection? Can you imagine what it would feel like to never desire something or have that love and affection between two people? Can you imagine it even without the ability to shed a tear over a life that is hard or a person who we no longer get to share physical space with. Like those things, God knows that we would, A, absolutely need in a broken world. But I think even bigger than that, and this is part of the book, is brain: what is the gospel? How does God think about emotions and then interact with emotion, first of all, apart from us, but also in us, that brings the gospel to bear in our life because we have a God of love and we have a God who is the gospel at his heart. And so I think that application of it in many ways, there's it's it's so layered and it starts with just being like, oh... God created the emotions. It wasn't like Satan's idea or, or like someone else's. It's not a result of the fall into sin. It is simply God's creation. Okay. So then with that foundation, what does that mean for
0: us? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the part that there's some permission there. I, 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 it's interesting. Like, so my background in philosophy and whatnot, I, I noticed how, and I've, I've thought about this for a while in my life now, but I noticed how I sort of immediately reacted negatively against the idea that God has emotions. And, and I don't, I mean, you know, obviously it's all over in scripture. Like he has all kinds of emotions. (laughs) Um, And so the idea that that permission for my emotions to be a good thing, like you're saying, they're not a result of the fall. They're not, you know, Satan didn't create emotions. But it was, it was interesting to notice in myself that, that even now I still struggle. Well, I don't know. There's something somewhere in the back of my head that says to be more like God, to be better, probably more to be safer is probably what it is. I need to not feel these things. I need to not have these emotions. Mm -hmm. And so I felt it was just, that was so fascinating to me that, that part of what it means, you know what the gospel means to your emotions. And you said it, how does God think about your emotions? And I wonder if it's, is it a fair question to ask, how does God feel about emotions? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's complete, right? Like he's complete as a being too. And in the same way that our brains are a different concept than our minds, right? Our minds are Mm. much fuller. They involve our nervous systems. They involve like belief systems, implicit memory, like philosophical ideas. It's the same way that God is so much more complete when we're talking about any subject that um, it's like, I, I don't go into that too much, right? But you have to look at God's completeness and his ability to experience things, not just in perfection, but in completeness to have the whole picture in mind when we only have like a small bit of the picture and then we get a little bit more bits in revelation so that it. It can become more complete, but it will never be the completeness that God sees something with. And I think that's really important. Like in all my work, I want people to take comfort in the fact that we're small in God's bigness and also enjoy the fact that we do know some things. Like we don't yeah. know nothing and we right. get to be connected to God and know more all the time.
0: Yeah. I find myself sometimes asking the question you know, how do you, how do you think God feels about you or about this situation? um, And, or, or rather, sorry, the, the question is, how do you feel that God feels? And then I'll point out, I'll say, notice I didn't ask, how do you think? Right. Because mm-hmm. it's so easy for me to be like, well, I, th- here's how I think God should think or feel about me. <laughs> but then there's right. this whole other, there's this whole other one. There's this invitation to how I actually feel mm-hmm. to notice holy crud, sometimes I actually feel like God really feels negative towards me, really doesn't like me. Mm -hmm. And then there's, you know, I'm maybe off topic here, but Mm -hmm. there's then that invitation to also, I just, it's just so beautiful to me to, to allow myself to feel the, I don't know the the happiness the joy that God feels fondness mm-hmm. towards me that he feels compassion yes. that he feels mm-hmm. joy w- whatever he may be feeling in that particular per- per- situation
1: If we if we remove the value of emotions um, in our lives I think it's curious that we are removing the value of emotion between us and God and what you're just yeah. saying the way that he does extend emotion toward humanity and experience them, we miss a a part of the full experience of understanding who God is too, because he is emotional as a being. And that is pretty surprising to us. You're right. I think it's more comfortable in certain denominations or even like other spiritualities. It's very interesting how humanity interacts with the divine and who the divine is and what the divine looks like and how the divine thinks and all of that stuff, like you were saying philosophically. But actually one thing that really informed me and had me thinking on this when I was writing my book, Finding Hope in particular, was Susan Stabile, who's the Enneagram, I don't know if I'm saying that right, but the Enneagram um, kind of guru, if you will, of our time. Um, And she, on one of her podcasts, she talked about when you interact with your children um, after school, asking them questions about their day, ask them, in different different orders, different days, different times, what they think, what, they, what they're what they thinking about, what they are felt about the day, and what they wanted to, to do with the day. Or, you know, different varying things of those three things, think, feel, and do. And um, I think that really is actually, like, again, that more complete idea. That's how God sees us. He is concerned about our service and our doing and our actions. But sometimes we only stay there, right? Um, mm-hmm. he's also like sometimes I'm a thinker, I like I love to think, and I'm in a thinking denomination, and so we often like leave God in just a thinking box where we think about him and how He thinks toward us. This is an invitation to see God more fully and know that He does feel delight when he thinks of yeah. us, and that he's occasionally disappointed, but that's not everything it's not the whole relationship that way and it also takes the weight off the emotional experience because there's other things when we put emotions in their place you know
0: it strikes me that the sort of back backing up to something you said about emotions that they give us information which you know i think when i had that when that was pointed out to me and that i could tap in or Make use of or be aware of a whole nother source of information coming into me that I didn't know existed that that was really eye opening, really wonderful, but it just it struck me just now that it's like that's a whole nother avenue of information about God as well, like you know not as you were just as you were just talking it's like we're so, I'm so used to thinking about how he thinks about what I'm doing and what it, there's a very cold kind of, I have the list of what God says is right and wrong and everything, but to notice, so I was at a conference this last week and there was a gentleman who said, had gotten got to a very bad time of life, sought out a mentor and the mentor gave him the verse from Song of Songs. It's like six, nine, I think, I don't remember, but it says, I am my beloved's and his desire is for me. And he said, go and just, that's your verse for this week. And he got tired and he's like, don't you have another verse for me? And, and this mentor was like, I have a lot of verses, but this is the one you need to sit with. (laughs) But I just, I don't know if that's making sense that just that there's Mm -hmm. information there about God that isn't thinking so much. It's like, he Mm -hmm. desires me. He loves me. He likes me, you know, and that's Mm -hmm. both information for me, but also information about God, that's so much more than, I don't know, again, I feel like I'm just ranting, but.
1: No, that is, this is what emotions will do to you when you consider emotions, because it's like, (laughs) I want to know more, but you know, there, there is a lot of threads. And so I organized the book to be that first, let's just talk about what emotions are, have some Mm definitions. So we're on the same page. Like you were just saying, like, what are we even talking about here? And it is even in science and research that's um, outside of church, even in that realm, that it tends to be a little bit more traditionally comfortable with emotions. It's mm-hmm. still new. It's a newer topic of study. It's not, um, we previously didn't understand the way our nervous systems were connected. We did not understand, um, mm-hmm. you know, the idea of m- mirror neurons into the last, like, I don't know, 50 years or maybe longer. But at the same time, this isn't a ancient study of emotions we aren't the first humans on the planet to dive into it but we have a lot more information about the systems in place in our body than we did before and so yes like the first part of the book is about getting on the same page i do a lot of storytelling um because i i'm a person and i have emotional experiences and i want that to be normalized for people i also want people to be able to take in the the intellectual, like okay, let's have a philosophical conversation and let's have this deep, meaningful thing, and also deal with some of our problems maybe in life. But to do it in a way that feels connecting and feels um, trauma informed, you know, to have a place. If you're going to talk about emotions, that can the vulnerability can be there too. And so I try to be yeah. vulnerable with my readers. Um, so then the next section goes into more of that theological deep dive. Uh, who is God and what is he doing in order to connect with us in our emotions and and how is he an emotional being apart from us? Uh, mm-hmm. Then we go into the myths of emotions or the partial truths is what I like to call them. Then yeah. we have the processing styles of emotion and then it ends with chapters on particular emotion words in scripture that I feel like we could really benefit from regaining in our vocabulary. Yeah,
0: yeah. Maybe let's let's jump to the processing for a little bit, Um, because that's that is a really important thing Mm -hmm. and takes up quite a bit of the book. So. First of all, what does it mean to process emotions? Mm -hmm.
1: Sure, it does take a bit of the book, and that's partly because this is the section people really were asking for. People want to know how to process their emotions. Like you said, if I'm not going to get rid of them, if they're so useful and they're good information, <laughs> then help me know how to deal with them. Um, yeah. And as I tell all my therapy clients, you are not a problem to solve, you are a person to love. And so yeah. God starts there that, you know, we do experience emotions and brokenness. It's complicated, right? And we're going to let mm-hmm. the many layers be there. But one thing, as I was trying to discover more about emotions in scripture in general, and I did take a year and a half to read through Scripture and have journals collecting emotion words and emotion-adjacent words, not in order to have a bias toward emotion in Scripture, but more just to peel back and be like, there's ideas of what I have about emotions in Scripture, and let's just see where they appear. Where do they show up and stuff like that? Um, that processing was actually kind of a big part of it in Scripture. That the And part of that is because Scripture is the story of humanity it's the it's god noting the human experience and putting it down into words and then showing us where he interacts with that human experience very explicitly so that we do have hope and we do have the knowledge of redemption and so four specific methods of processing came up in scripture and then also a lot they those are present in scientific research i always say that any good science likely god thought of it first he's the interweaver the connector and all of that and so it's just kind of cool as we start to learn more about our brains and our bodies and everything and research that you start to see like oh of course because god knit us together there was a plan for how our body could include restorative processes the gospel would be given within our bodies to help us through the things of life that are hard um, Mm -hmm. through different processes in many, many different ways. Um, Mm -hmm. I just think that's a really cool way to see God again, more fully. So the four processing methods that we see in scripture are, um, contemplation, which is thinking, right? Just thinking about them. Um, uh, again, one of my favorites, right? It kind of is that, that be still idea in scripture, the invitation to rest. Um, but just to notice them is a huge piece of thinking where we just, notice it we don't have to judge it we don't have to like do anything with it but to notice it has a lot of processing in it that it brings it from that unconscious or subconscious to the conscious layer and sometimes that's all we need for it to move and have its freedom and not mm-hmm. be like wrestling within our souls <laughs> mm-hmm. and so seems- so thinking is a favorite
0: yeah it seems to me that there's something really important in that welcoming that emotion. And it, when I notice it, give it attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously I guess I suppose I could give it attention. That's pretty harsh, but to give it that, that space, uh, mm-hmm. a kind of compassionate attention. Sometimes that's all it wants. <laughs> it gets to say, it's it true. Peace. It's, it gets to tell me what it yes. needs. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I have a billion therapeutic reasons for that. You know, there's parts of our stories that need attention. And a lot of those emotions that we experience, and one of the reasons we have so many at once is because we have old stuff. Um, and it, it comes up in the present moment, right? We're triggered, we're activated is what we call it. And some of those feelings are about what's in front of us. Some of them are about what has, was in front of us at a different time or what's to come, right? By definition, anxiety and worry tend to be in that category. And then some of them are about both. At the Mm -hmm. same time in that inner working, again, God knitting time and our timelines together, but that's how we experience it in our bodies. And so just being able to be like, huh, curiosity is one of our best tools um, to give ourselves that compassion that we need and to attend to the brokenness when we do need to notice that we're doing something that's not great for us or other people but then also just to notice like who we are and what's going on inside of us that's all valuable information Mm -hmm.
0: it's it's interesting i I, the idea that i'm that that when my emotion is allowed to be in a space in a room in a relationship even if it's with myself i experience i feel i experience it as like i'm allowed to be there (laughs) you know that and that's such a power. Like I want to be allowed mm-hmm. to be in places, and I, mm-hmm. you know, often often feel like I'm not. So, I think that's it's
1: true. And this is one reason why, like nature, is often a place where people will experience emotion or have surprising emotion, or they'll feel yeah. so refreshed because the emotion was released after time in nature, or having a moment just in a chapel, like that mm. space of God that says. Everything's welcome here, and there's a safety in that is uh, quite meaningful for not only our conscious selves, but our whole systems, our whole bodies to be able to have a space to kind of release the stuff of life because it is a heavy life, right? There's a lot of burdens, a lot of good stuff, but we live as humans in a world that is broken, and that any kind of space that tells us there's room for us to like put down the weight is a huge makes a huge difference for the gospel in
0: our life. I, one, one question I was curious about is the language around processing emotions. So I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, it seems like the, the purpose, or at least one of the purposes of going through this process is to, one, get the information from them perhaps that they have to offer me, but also to, I think the word you used is like modulate them rather than control them. So that's that turning down Mm -hmm. Um, or whatever, but adjusting their volume so that they're, they're a part, an overall part of the kind of my being rather than overtaking Mm -hmm. me or exploding. Um, And I guess that's, this is a really long question. So respond to whatever part you want, but For me, the language that makes sense out of that is more like metabolizing emotion. I like that idea of like, they become a part of my being rather than me being some sort of process. But I don't know, comments Mm -hmm. on that? Thoughts on that?
1: It's good. So process is... It's funny. It's a better term than regulation. And so that's one reason mm. when I moved into it. I really wanted to like kind of autocorrect our concept of emotion regulation, because that's the predominant term we use in our culture. Mm. Um, and it's really what we're often especially looking for in education systems. Like I I'm a play therapist too. And I have people like, you know, how do can you help the kids? Like they need to regulate themselves. And we get it. I get it. I, I mean, yes, we all do need some regulation. By that they mean can you turn it down a little bit help them usually get it under control the problem mm-hmm. with um the idea of that is that where's the gospel in the mm-hmm. then how does that person experience what you just said their welcome ness by god and us to fill a space and that's complicated right like there is both law and gospel there's boundaries and also grace. And so in order to let boundaries and grace be there, we need a way of interacting with our emotions that isn't to regulate them or control them, like you said. Um, It is to be able to move with them. And in Mm. um, scientific research terms, we call this emotional agility, the ability to have an emotion and to move with it or do something Mm. through it and in it that's connected to our values, and who we are as people, but not let it rule nor ignore it, right? That balance, emotional agility. And you can kind of picture yourself, right? Like if you have anxiety, and and this is the reason we use processes because it is a physical experience. If I have anxiety and I feel that constriction or butterflies even and the tension often that we do in our um, chest or in our gut or in our shoulders, then imagine my my physicality of that right like i tend to get um kind of constricted and blacked up processing then is a an experience of being able to let it move so that it has some room i can be with it a little bit and then it can like literally go elsewhere or please move from the internal to the external in some way shape or form without my words flying toward people because sometimes Mm -hmm. that's what happens otherwise or for me to be overly aggressive in other ways because we will we do want emotions naturally are movement oriented they will that's one way they come from like a subconscious to conscious right and so processing is basically doing the work of that movement on purpose with intentionality Mm -hmm. um it it is a process too. So the word process gives us that instead of product orientation of here's my emotion, I'm this moving on, or this is my emotion and I'm going to do this with it. It's a process. We're discovering. We have curiosity about it.
0: Mm-hmm. That makes more sense. Yeah, and I think that sort of goes to your next so <laughs> contemplation let's go back and satisfy the curiosity of those who are now saying please tell me I the break. other They're three like, Wait.
1: <laughs> yes the other three so expression is another one The when we use language and we apply language and we call it granularity when we build our emotional vocabulary and we have lots of words we can apply to it we are people of language god is a person of language and so language is really helpful and does help us understand our emotion, process them, and it helps it move. It's also intimately connected with number four, which we'll get to in a minute, which is connection, right? Often that that Mm. expression is with other people, but it doesn't have to be. And so expression in itself is simply, we see this a lot. And if you are looking for these four, you can do a little scavenger hunt in the Psalms or in Lamentations, Mm. especially, Mm. or... It's so beautiful to see them in the Gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We get oh. not only uh, God incarnate having uh, emotional processes and everything, but we get all of the people around Him and a really full narrative of people processing emotions. So, um, so expression is when we're we're just using words, and sometimes, ironically, that's like more wrapped up in uh, the contemplation than it is in the connection because sometimes that's an internal right like i Mm. wonder how i feel right now or whatever Mm. where we're doing that internal Mm -hmm. dialogue within ourselves that is a form of expression as well Mm -hmm. the next one is movement and it's one of my favorites because it's the like underdog if you will of emotional processing (laughs) and it's the one we should all be using more often i think because emotions are so physical um And in movement, we see this, this is why people who are runners, like they just like don't know how to exist without their run, because that probably serves a role in this for them where they're able to um, Hmm. let their body release some of the tension. When it's, it's really interesting how emotions work. Like you don't just have to start with emotions. Like you can start with, for instance, a behavior to seek an emotion too. Like if you want more sense of, gratitude in your life or calm and contentment to you could there are some practices Mm -hmm. spiritual practices or behaviors that we can do like journaling and noticing and recognizing things more in our day or going toward things that show us god has you know pleasurable things for us stuff like that where then i'm suddenly in the realm of that emotion more often Mm -hmm. and so emotions are really interesting so we can move toward them as well um even in the research out there, we see that when people participate in therapy or some kind of treatment program, when they do uh, mobility stretches or yoga or some kind of thing on the regular or strength training, that that actually is, they find that the out the treatment outcomes are higher and more positive, mm. right? Because yeah. our bodies need that sense of movement in order to do their own processing work. And Good job, body. I just have to say that a lot of time our body is doing all of this on its own. It does so much we're not even thinking about because God has created yeah. it that way. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes, yes, you go for a walk and you didn't even know that God was giving you that gift in order to help you process some of the stuff of life.
0: Mm. That's
1: beautiful mm-hmm. to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, okay, so wrap it up with connection then. How, how connection, is connection yeah. Then? yeah.
1: So connection is... Uh, like a unique one that I think is underrepresented, I would say, in secular research. Um, Although we do know about, and we talk about in the book, co-regulation in particular, and and mirror neurons, like I said, where we reflect um, and have empathy and gain um, an understanding quite outside of our consciousness of what other people Mm -hmm. are going through or their emotions or feelings. Sometimes to a fault right like mm. we can over empathize with people and pick up read too much of what's going on and we do need some emotional distancing at times um and some what we call self-differentiation like this is my emotion and this is their emotion especially like with our children or our significant others mm. we can be with people and their emotions but we don't have to pick them up that's one of my mm. personal passions you'll hear about on my podcast life and relationship a lot because it does help our relationships to hold that connection in balance with emotions. Um, But then co-regulation is the way we're created in order to be with each other in our emotion. And Mm. even we don't even have to talk about our emotions. You and I being in the same room or connecting even through a text to some degree Mm. is wildly helpful for our emotional processing. Mm. And so the same is true for God. And that's one thing I point out in each section, right? that we could only do this practice with God and it would benefit us. Like if you are extremely introverted or you do not feel like you have safe people in your life to be vulnerable with, to be in a space with God where you are able to just connect, that will help with emotional processing and bring a little more awareness to our system. Same thing. If, if we are praying to God and just offering him our emotion that we don't even have words for at times
0: mm-hmm.
1: that is valuable for emotional processing.
0: Yeah. You know, I think that's near and dear to my heart because it's so many folks. I know that the fear of connecting the fear of sharing my emotions with God. It has for all number of reasons, just so jammed up that possibility and stopped that, Mm -hmm. that, uh, that possibility. Um, And of course that usually goes with true for all humans, right? Like I struggled to share, Mm -hmm. connect with other humans, but, but yeah, that to learn that it is safe through experience actually to share my Mm -hmm. emotions with God is such for my, in my own life, you know, you were talking about anxiety for a little while and people who listen to my podcast know for sure, like know my story with that. And that's, Exactly right. Like it's it becomes it's such a physical experience that I struggle with that. But then the being able to talk to God about it freely, being able to share with him, even if I can't name it, even if I don't understand what's going on, is such a powerful movement. And I I'm understanding that in a new way now, how cool it is in a sense. And I've said this in other ways. I've said this to God a couple of times. It's like Oddly, now at a point in my life where I'm kind of sometimes grateful for the anxiety struggles I deal with, because it's like these are opportunities to move with that feeling and with God. And I mean, I don't know if I ever want to say, like, yay, I feel anxious right now. (laughs) Yay, yay, (laughs) it's that, right? But at the same time, I do find that it's I don't know, there's something really Meaningful about it being like, okay, yeah, I feel really anxious right now and this sucks, but, but I, but I, I'm doing more and more. It's like, I'm doing this with God.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and it well, feels not alone.
0: good. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's yeah. so
1: much less isolating and all of those mental healthy emotions, especially that are challenging for us and kind of tend to layer toward something that feels bigger and, and overtaking, um, do so much better when there is connection and not isolation. And I right. love that God doesn't define that. Like so much of what God says to us that's good for us, he doesn't say, do it this way. Instead, there's just lots of stories of the way humans deal with the stuff mm. of life and problems and joys. Mm. And there are a lot of, there's a lot of freedom in that. And mm. I think that's a really important message of emotions in the gospel, is there's a lot of freedom in how you interact with this also everything's redeemable like we could we could be so crazy with our emotion or we could be so like mm-hmm. lost mm-hmm. in a specific emotion that has created some destructive things or whatever it doesn't even matter what it is but it is redeemable in jesus christ i don't have to live that doesn't define me and that's an important part too because especially with when the emotions get real big like an experience or a relationship with anxiety as part of your daily life or season of life it can start to feel like so much a part of who we are that Mm -hmm. it helps to remember that god has also done his work in that Mm -hmm. in the redemption of jesus christ yeah
0: yeah that's really cool um Maybe we should kind of move towards wrapping up here. And I, for those of you listening, watching the, as Heidi already mentioned, the last part of the book is the forgotten emotions of scripture, which is really fascinating. I mean, there's interesting things in there. Uh, delight, for example, is one, which distress? I mean, things that I'm like, oh, okay, these are, uh, I thought, indignation, like being the I love that nerd. word word nerd that I am I love the word indignation but but the one that I for me that that was the very last one I think it was the felt compassion that's the one that really like I was like okay this is I get this one um, I'm sure. I'm sure. and so maybe this is just sort of a taste like here here folks if you're listening here's just a little taste of what's going on first just briefly what is felt compassion and then um yeah. How is that? Here's, here's my theory. You can tell me if I'm crazy. My theory is that felt compassion as you define it and talk about how it relates to hospitality ends the book because it sort of encompasses the whole book. Like it's sort of what God is doing to make space for our emotions. Oh,
1: hundred percent. So, you saw okay, that connection. You're, just, you're the first person I've talked to who's directly said it is like, I was a very specific <laughs> about the order of these things and especially this is that Jesus in particular it is the most often that we can tell whether in Greek or in our English translations uh emotion that we get stated that Jesus experiences Mm. in scripture so there's a lot of like kind of non-stated undertones of emotion in scripture that we don't want to make assumptions about sometimes we're not told an emotion right sometimes it's so funny when you read it a scripture story and you're like that's a funny i mean it it feels kind of flat because we don't get the like kind of emotional experience we have no idea what's going on there with the people of it right Right. um and then other times we get uh you know confusing emotional experiences where we're like oh oh, son of god getting real angry here okay you know and we have to sort that out but this is the mo the one we see most consistently and that is so special to me Uh, that the God of the universe, when he incarnates and becomes human, that the thing that God writes down that is most representative of him is felt compassion. And that is a direct translation of the Greek terminology for what then in Greek is is directly translated felt compassion. It is this movement-oriented compassion. And so it is a sense that we have inside of us, right, that is related to empathy, that there is a um, noting of that person's emotion without, and this is the difference between empathy and compassion is their emotion doesn't overtake us, right? That we can interact with it in a way that feels safe and comfortable for both individuals and that it is still connecting though. We're not disconnected in the emotion. We're connected in it. And that sense is evident and then there's some kind of movement on our part toward like a one anothering, if you will, that we, um, we're we going to be part of this. The witness in scripture yeah. is another way I like to put it. And that um, is who I believe, you know, God is complicated and there's lots of ways to describe him. Um, but I I think to believe that at the core of myself, when I get up in the morning and when I go to bed at night that God sees me and feels compassion Mm. is something that really connects me to him, even in my darkest moments, even when I need to deal with my junk and have accountability and all of Mm. that is that a God of felt compassion is important in our lives and our emotional selves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that just blows me away and that I love about it is that it's, if you want to know who God is, You look to Jesus and here's what you find. That what, as you said, the thing that we, the most common emotion that he discusses is a physical manifestation of, of this warmth and movement towards someone. And it's like, you know, whatever else we say about God, that's the thing that just, that's the Mm -hmm. message I like would love to give everybody all the time is just here's who, the philosophers can have their God. I don't care. Here's here's the real one. <laughs> you know, that yeah. when yeah. when we want to know what he's like, well, it's he takes on a he takes on our flesh to be able to feel with us, to be with us mm-hmm. literally. And I just mm-hmm. love that. So
1: mm-hmm. um, and I, I think it's very interesting too as you dive into it, which you yeah. know, I mean you could spend so much time diving into God and his experience of the emotions and our own and how they interact with a single one, like felt compassion and be in Mm. it for your lifetime. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's really interesting to me, uh, his experience of it and also Jesus' boundaries with it. Like Mm. that there are people, for instance, like with the Pharisees, when they're coming at him time and time and time again, a relationship that wants to destroy Mm. that, guess what? That's not a place where you see him extending felt compassion in the same way he does with the person mm-hmm. who's hurting over here or ready for accountability and things like that. And so there's just so much to learn. And it's not only just about like, how do I fix my emotions? It's about this is so interesting mm-hmm. about how God made me and about who God yeah. is. And I, I I think that that makes the gospel clearer then, too, because we're not so worried Mm -hmm. about um whether we're doing it right.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what you said earlier. You know, you're not a problem to be fixed, but a person to be loved. And and I guess that is the one caveat I would give to folks if you are picking the book up, if you say, okay, I'm 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 interested enough to go read it. Um I would I would say, and this is a compliment, it is not the book you would pick up to try to fix your emotions. Um, it, it, there would, it, it's something much, it's bigger than that and more important than that. And hopefully I think shift your view from that, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I, but I get that that's, you know, I have a lot of compassion for people who want that. So, uh, no,
1: absolutely. And the big conversation is so important. And I do think it's a really good caveat because people do get to the disappointed occasionally when they read my work and they're like, well, I thought this was going to tell me what to do, you know? Um, the reality is I do think it does help though, because in shifting or basically shifting the deeper things so that the stuff on the top then starts to make a little bit more sense and come with what we call in therapy of a little bit more ease with it Mm -hmm. instead of that constricted feeling.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I think I, the way I, the way I sort of wrapped it up in my own head as I got to the end of the book was it's, it's sort of trying to invite and create space for emotions in a way that's far healthier than what I would normally try to do when I'm trying to pick up a book to fix my emotions, right? It's 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 creating space and welcome for those emotions in a way that I think with God in a way mm-hmm. that um this probably is going to sound weird but fixes them on a level that i that's that i didn't know they could be fixed on.
1: <laughs> like meta, <laughs> metaphysical fixing of our emotions in our it's, relationship well, I mean, with god is exactly what we're going for here but, right
0: right well i, I mean i i do i just yeah. always find that kind of language funny because it's i want to get fixed i want to i want to be fixed and amen there's so much that needs to be fixed in this world myself included it's just so interesting that, that and god will fix it it's just mm-hmm. that what he his fixing is not what I thought it was, or and if, if, it, and if he gave me what I thought I wanted to have it fixed, it wouldn't get, you know. So it is going to get fixed. I know.
1: <laughs> right. So,
0: but anyway, I tell All people,
1: right. and maybe this language will help before we wrap up. Is wouldn't you rather have re- restoration? Wouldn't right. you rather have God restore? which is he's in the business of restoring. And I I pray that that's what the book does for people is it restores a little bit of their relationship with their own emotions and in mm-hmm. the process, their relationship with God and then also their relationship with people around them because they're able to attend to them differently.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. Yep, that is a good word. Heidi, thank you very much for being willing to take an hour with me on Friday to just chat. I, I really do appreciate it, so... Um well,
1: thanks for having me to the the porch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh we will I I'm writing down notes as we go. So we'll make sure that we link to Heidi's website, uh her podcast, um Life and Relationship. Is that correct? Is that the title of the podcast? Life make sure I in get it.
1: in relationship. Life in relationship. Yeah. In relationship. Good. I know. Yeah.
0: So life mm-hmm. in relationship. Um he- HeidiGaiman.com. Um obviously we'll link to the book as well. But uh, thank you. And listeners, it was good to have you along with us as well. And may the grace of Christ go with you wherever the road takes you. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a production of Signpost End, a nonprofit Christian ministry dedicated to helping people connect with God and find direction. We offer spiritual direction, retreats, and lots of other resources like this podcast. Please visit us at signpostend.org to learn more. We especially want to thank our generous donors who support our work and keep this podcast going. If you've benefited from something you've heard on this show, please consider supporting us by making a tax-deductible gift at signpostin.org donate. That's signpostin.org donate. And thank you.